a very special episode coming to you guys today. So my good friend, Chris Goodwin, interviewed me on his podcast because he saw me make a post a few months ago where I just simply said, I won't take a penny from pressure, only pleasure. So this was before I even came out with my program called The Pleasure Model. And it's so interesting to me how we can say something very casually and not even realize how meaningful and what a significant part of our brand. Now that one statement has honestly become like the umbrella, the overarching message of our brand and what we're really known for is we won't take a penny from pressure, only pleasure. So Chris reached out to me and he's like, what do you mean you don't take a penny from pressure? Like, how do you do that? So he asked me to come on his podcast and share basically how we run the business. And he did such a phenomenal job interviewing me and getting out details that I might otherwise have forgotten to even tell people. And I really wanted to just share this episode with you guys today. So his podcast is called Bourbon and Breakthroughs. And the fun part is you'll hear him ask me about a bourbon that we're drinking. So he sent me some bourbon ahead of time, which was delicious. I fell in love with it. In fact, it's become a new fave for me. I wasn't normally a bourbon girl, but now bourbon with a big ice cube, this one particular brand, I was like completely, completely sold on. So it's fun because by the end, I was like, wait, what were we saying? <laughs> I don't drink very much. So I didn't even finish the one glass. But by the end, it gets a little silly. But he has such phenomenal questions, especially the question of, Andrea, what if you can't afford to turn down business? And I was like, wow, what a great question. Um, so without further ado, uh, Without further ado, <laughs> I'm not drinking <laughs> currently as I'm recording this, um, introducing the episode of Chris Goodwin, myself on his podcast, Bourbon and Breakthroughs, and we'll go ahead and link his podcast in the show notes for you guys as well. Please enjoy. December 25th, 2018, it was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, raving fans, money, assets, and yet I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money, the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends, the kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck, like I was stuck the sands of time. I did all the right things, all the things that promised me freedom, and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was going to be an inside job, and I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool ass version of alternative school alternative school for the unruly entrepreneur this is for the innovators the creators the world changers the service-minded those who want the details on how to create a business that really truly finally fucking sets you free i'm your host andrea crowder and welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's go to the show. So if you don't know Andrea, she's been on the show two times at least before. Back then it was called Relentless Growth. So we've transitioned since then. But you know, Andrea has so much to offer. I wanted her to come back. And there's one particular thing that I want to dig into with her. We'll get to that in just a moment. But if you don't know Andrea, she is a serial entrepreneur and was notably mentioned by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of 15 entrepreneurs whose products make you more sane. <laughs> and I just came from a meeting with about 35 business owners for two hours, mainly a networking meeting. But what kept coming up was the stress people are under, the anxiety and the uncertainty that they're facing as the market shifts and as kids go back to school. And so, you know, if you are in business or have been for any length of time, you can appreciate any kind of product that would bring you more sanity. <laughs> Amen. Right? Yeah. Andrew's also the founder of The Unruly Entrepreneur, the brand and the podcast. 
And that's designed to cause you to question everything so you can ditch the thoughts, the feelings, the actions that are in your life and stealing your energy or providing zero value to you. And so her work frees up more intuition, creativity, pleasure, and power than ever. And it's really the last two that I want to dig in almost immediately with you, Andrea, about. But before we do that, we have to get you a drink. So Love it. Yeah. (laughs) So do you have something to pour that into there? I sure do. Today's episode is sponsored by Heaven's Door. This is, if if you haven't caught the couple of episodes before this, Heaven's Door is Bob Dylan's brand. We're waving it in front of the camera for everybody on, on YouTube. You're seeing this. And today we're having their Ascension expression. I chose this one for a couple of reasons for Andrea. This is going to be apparent in no time as we go through our interview, but it's artistic. You know, it's Bob Dylan's brand. This is his newest way to create himself, to express himself creatively. He said, I wanted to create a collection of American whiskeys that in their own way, tell a story. And if you don't know Andrea yet, she's got one hell of a story. She has gone through it and back dozens of times, and she always comes out in some kind of new evolution, more creative, more powerful, and with more creativity than ever. So that's part of it. But the other thing is the bourbon itself. It's a little sweet on first approach, but then as you get into it and you get to know it, it's a, it's kind of like a potent bite. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the best way I could sum up Andrea if I had to was like, you know, very kind and charismatic on the front end. But then as you get to know her, like there is a roundhouse kick to the face in there somewhere. And at 92 proof, this one, this this particular bourbon does pack a little bit of a punch. But what do you say we get into it here, Andrea? Yes, I'm very excited. It smells amazing. And I, as soon as I opened the package, like the word Ascension just jumped out at me. And I was like, this bottle really does feel like it's for me. Oh, what a perfect way. To, I was like, wait, is he describing the bourbon or me? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do our best to pair it, you know, to the actual guest for a lot of reasons. And that's part of the fun of bourbon. It's not just about, you know, having a strong drink. It's about really appreciating the different aspects of things. So cheers, Andrea. Let's see what you think about this one. Cheers. Let's do it. that look was priceless i'm glad we got that on camera that was wow (laughs) i'm normally a sipping tequila like i do like a good bourbon but i'm normally like an old-fashioned girl i don't think i've ever tried a bourbon like neat and not like wanted to choke a little bit afterwards and you're right it's like a nice, like sweet, like it really filled my mouth with like a nice sweetness and like prepared me for a little bit of strength at the end, but it was like welcomed. It wasn't like a, holy shit, I have to like cough this out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Chris, this is fantastic. Was I'm welcomed. so psyched. That was a good way to put that. I've never heard anybody use that. And I think that's a really perfect, like in, in our world, you know, I'm in Kentucky, I'm, I live in Louisville. We call it a Kentucky hug, that nice warm feeling that you're getting yeah. like, through your chest right there. <laughs> but I, I love it. the idea of saying like welcoming a Kentucky hug. That's uh... <laughs> So for everybody listening and watching, thanks again to our friends at Heaven's Door. The Ascension Expression, it's a blend of two Kentucky straight bourbons. So this is a blend, uh, an extremely small batch. I think they use 10 or less barrels to blend this. One of them is distilled by them in their Kentucky distillery. And both together are at least four years old. So it's aged enough to give it some really interesting character. The first things that come out to me, if you're really looking for specific tasting notes, wildflower and honey, like right off the bat, even as before you get your nose down into the glass. That is a potent note in a good way and a really interesting one for something that's a little younger than some of the other bourbons I've had that have that feature. Lots of vanilla. You get the toasted oak, uh, you know, campfire like oak taste and tobacco on the finish. And and that's what kind of keeps me coming back to this one is that I don't know how else to describe it. That tobacco flavor that's like, ooh, I really want to explore this further. So I'm going to quit geeking out in bourbon speak here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning. I'm like, no, all this, like, wait, did I just become a bourbon girl? I think you did. I mean, that reaction was pretty clear. (laughs) No, that was so genuine too. Like, wow. 
I'm so delighted. <laughs> good, good. Okay, and, let's talk about pleasure now. <laughs> right? Just to so and also for everybody listening, you can go down in the show notes and find the link. You can buy this bottle online and have it shipped right to your door. So that's great. So let's dig into what we're really here to talk about, which is Andrea and her superpowers. <laughs> so, you know, I asked you to come on because you mentioned something, I think either on social media or a podcast you were on, and you said we don't let like, this is the phrase that stood out in my mind. You said, we don't let stressed dollars into our organization, into our company. We don't want a single dollar to hit our revenue from stress or pressure. And so you've built a name for yourself about pleasure over pressure or pleasure instead of pressure. And for anybody in business, this is really counterintuitive, I feel like, that they feel like the norm is pressure and anxiety and uncertainty, and you're going a completely different direction. So I really just want to open up right there. What are your thoughts on this? And how did you build this perspective into your life and business? You know, what's funny is I sat down with somebody who had done a $1.1 billion raise for his company not that long ago, just a few months ago. And he was like trying to understand what I do. And he's like thinking that I'm like a career coach or an executive coach. And I'm like, He's like, I don't get it. I don't understand how an executive coach could come in and tell me how to run my business better. And I was like, I'm not here to tell you how to run your business better. I'm not a business coach. I'm a people coach. Like my area of expertise is people, human behavior, and how to feel better, how to make this tool that we call a body work for us. And most people feel like it's working against us, especially as an entrepreneur when it comes to anxiety and pressure. And we're just thinking like, we have to just become more tolerable. And so the interesting thing about this conversation with him, and I was explaining to him, I was like, imagine if your sales team didn't fear rejection. Do you think they'd pick up the phone and make more calls? And he's like, in a heartbeat. And I was like, that's me. That's what I do. I delete that fear of like the pressure, the fear, whatever emotion we might like label as suffering, I adjust that in how like mind is perceiving that information. And then I know you had Dr. Connolly on the show before as well. And I've been personally trained by John and I'm like, and then people are able to bring like passion, excitement, enthusiasm, instead of like leaning out of the business and then like running in because it's like, okay, let me just like hold my breath for a second and then I'll jump into the cold water. You don't really want to do it, but you'll do it because you feel like you have to because you think like, I've got to pay the bills. My family needs to survive. And he's like, oh my God, if I had like known you years ago, Jesus. (laughs) And I was like, now let me ask you a question. You came from nothing, right? So like his dad died when he was really young, raised by a single mother, started with like very humble upbringing, started his career as a car salesman. And I was like, and then built this company into a billion dollar valuation. And he, and I was like, do you ever have moments where you're just like, what if it all goes away tomorrow? And he looks at me and he goes every single day. And I'm like, so if the pinnacle of success, like you almost can't go higher unless you're like a psychopaths on this earth is a billion fucking dollars and you still wake up afraid. What's it all for? Like, why didn't we start this? Because we wanted to build ourselves into freedom. That sounds like a bougie ass prison. I don't want that. Just because I can walk around freely on this earth doesn't mean I'm free inside of my body. And I decided I didn't want it unless I could have both and that I needed to rethink how I was making decisions and the way that I was running my business. Because what I found was I did get into the million dollar home. I had the Mercedes in the driveway. I had everything that everybody said would make me successful. And I was sitting there at Christmas time, watching my kids play with their new Christmas toys and stuff like that, organizing all their piles from their gifts. And I was choking on anxiety, afraid that it was just Like the shoe was going to drop and the next day it would all disappear. And it felt like death inside of my body. And I'm like, this is not living. They said this equals freedom. They said success equals freedom. And this is the path. And I did every single thing how they told me to. 
I did like the white picket, like metaphorical fence, like all the things. I mean, I am I am a Virgo. I show you give me a checklist and I can daddy that checklist. I got you. <laughs> so society gave me the checklist. I daddied the fuck out of it, got a nice little checkbox in every single one. And I looked at it and I was like, I still feel like the scared teenager who had came out of an abusive home, watched her mom get beaten and decided to go get a job to be able to put herself through school, swinging around a stripper pole. I still feel like that scared girl. Nothing inside of me felt any different. The panic, the fear that I'm not safe, that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. And then now I have these two little humans depending on me and the pressure felt bigger. And then we bring team into it. And we're like, shit. So he has this like team of a thousand people. I have a team of, you know, like five, six, seven as I've grown. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, they're depending on me, their husbands, their kids. Now I have lineages. <laughs> family trees, you know. <laughs> yeah, family right? trees depending <laughs> on me. And I'm like, that's going to break me. And he sat there next to me as he retired as CEO from his company because he said, I had started watching my friends and like they were having heart attacks and dying. And I didn't want to build this business and never get a chance to actually truly live. So he retired early of this company. He spent his entire life building. Like I'll never forget this conversation in my whole life. It was one of the most profound, impactful meetings of my life. And he's like, I had to walk away or I was afraid that like it was going to kill me. And I'm like, I can understand how like all of a sudden your mind can start to see a thousand family trees right. on your shoulder. The pressure and that I was, would come from that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Pressure that does kill. It's just so, I mean, if you look in the entrepreneurship world, I don't know off the top of my head what the actual statistics are, but I know that they're unusually high, but like the number of successful entrepreneurs that actually end their own life, it's just such a shame. And I look at all these people and like, especially the people in my world. And I'm like, these are the people who are pushing new conversation forward. The people humanity cannot fucking afford to lose, whether they walk away or whether they can't stand the pressure anymore. They stand for something and I stand for them. I was like, something has to change. So I have to live differently in order for them to live differently. So the pleasure over pressure, we've said it um, exactly how you did. And then also, I've also said, not a penny from pressure, only pleasure. Not a penny. I'll walk away from any deal, no matter how big. You could show up and be like, I'm going to write you a billion dollar check today. And if it feels like there's no way that I could execute that, holding the values and in staying in integrity from pleasure, not pressure, I will say absolutely no to it because having done it won't be worth it. It will come at too great of a cost. And most people aren't taking into consideration the money they're making and ultimately how much it will cost them by saying yes to it. So let's talk about that because you know I've been in more trainings than I can count where I, I tell people to raise their standards and then they push back and they say, well, if I raise my standards, I'll lose business, right? If I raise my prices, I'll lose business. If I have everybody follow my process and nobody else in my market has that process, people are going to go to them instead. Categorically, buyer's agents don't want to follow my process that I proved works because like nobody else in my market does that. So nobody will, you know, and it's, it's this really tight almost constipated energy of like, if I do that, I will fail. And therefore I cannot afford to turn away a single penny, a single lead, even if this concept sounds great that, you know, pleasure over pressure, I'd love to be like that. I can't do that. <laughs> so how have you learned to resolve that for yourself and, and now obviously for other people too? Well, let me ask you this question. As an entrepreneur, is it more useful or less useful to have more creativity? More useful to have more creativity. Mm -hmm. Is it more useful or less useful to have more focus? More useful to have more focus. Mm -hmm. And then what about logic, access to more logic? This one's a toss up for me because I tend to be extremely logical and it can close doors versus when I let go of whether it's logical or not, then I get a little more creative and open. Let's start with intuition first. Then if intuition leads, is it okay for logic to support it with an increase? 
So we could go on and on and I can ask you all those questions. So what happens when we're in a state of pressure or the body would, we could also describe that as like a state of fear because that pressure is like that sensation of like something bad could happen, right? So we could call that fear. We're just going to like simplify. So what's happening in the body when we're in a fear response is blood leaves brain going to arms and legs, making you fast, but dumb. (laughs) I'm laughing because, you know, we've all been there, right? Where we get heated and emotion surges, logic goes out the window, jaw gets tight, arms and chest, you know, puff out, legs get flooded, ready to to do whatever they needed. So I, I love how you said that, but at the same time, we become dumb if we're not careful. Right. And can we like step back and can we adjust like our physical response? Yes. There's, we have lots of amazing tools to be able to do that. But when we're constantly in a state of pressure or fear or panic, we're losing access to creativity, intuition, logic, focus. And when we start compromising those faculties in the body, I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing a business not running as optimally. And like me being a Virgo, I like optimization. It's like kind of my middle name. (laughs) I'm more about like my body's optimization though. How can I optimize me? Because I'm the source of all of it. I'm the one who chooses who to hire. I'm the one who chooses the delegation. I'm the one who chooses what business to say yes and no to. So what happens is that People do build the business the way that you say, and then they end up in your container and my container, and they're like, the fire's lit and the gasoline is in my hand, and they're about to just douse that shit and burn it to the ground, and we're the ones that say, put down the match, (laughs) put the gas down, like we can make some tweaks, right? So like what they build it into something that's not sustainable. So how is it that you're actually truly creating a profitable business if eventually you're going to burn it to the ground? You're going to walk away. I watch it happen every day on social media. In fact, I take screenshots and I've created this little album in my phone where I'm tracking people who are making multiples of million, the people who are like, they're YouTube famous and like all the things. And they're like, I'm going on a year long, maybe forever sabbatical because my business is killing me. And I'm the person that's like, but what if you could have both? <laughs> that's brilliant to track. advocate. <laughs> because how many, I mean, I know you and I have enough friends in the coaching world alone that we've seen this happen over and over and over where it's grinding and pressurized, you know, I have to do this. I have to work 90 hours a week. And don't get me wrong. Like some people, if you live in your passion, it's not necessarily feeling like work for those 90 hours. But I do think you have a great point that we could like whatever industry you're in, you can look up and see dozens and dozens of case studies of people burning out this way. Absolutely. Cause like the body can only sustain so much. We do have a finite amount of energy and like, that's something that we're not taking into consideration because we're constantly as entrepreneurs, we're boundary pushers. What I want to suggest is like, there are boundaries to push, just not that one. Like my job is just train my body like an NFL, you know, Super Bowl winner. Like I'm looking at Tom Brady and I'm like, how does he train to win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl? That's how I want to train my physical body. I bet you he's got someone in there working on his ability to like handle pressure because who's going to be able to make that like perfect pass at the right minute? Like there's so many people choke on this, just watch sports and you'll see, I'm like, if they just put me on the sidelines of that team, this would have gone so differently. (laughs) (laughs) Me in the dating world PS is like, so if you guys heard me on the podcast before, like I'm newly single. So like, this is fun. Me in the dating world when guys are like, so what do you do? And I try to explain to them. And I said to one guy on it, we were like sitting at a bar having drinks watching a watching a game and I was like dang if they just had me on the sidelines like almost talking to myself and he's like I'm sure they have people like that and I'm like well doesn't seem like it because that was just such a fucking fumble (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's hard to describe like you know I've, I've heard John use this phrase light worker or you know somebody who just brings light to people's worlds the how Hey, this is one of the things I appreciate about following your journey over the past few years. The how has evolved quickly, like how you've helped people and how you learn to create programs even. And the, I want to say like the channel that you choose oscillates or, or at least moves around. 
And you don't seem to be stuck and rooted in any one particular method or modality or style or delivery method. Like, so how do you stay loose enough in your your energy and your creativity to go, that's a good idea. I think I'm going to give that a shot and see what happens. I love this. I was just listening to a YouTube video on Monday. And one of the things, and I need to listen actually and like practice pronouncing his name, but his name is Yogi Sadhguru, I think. And he's like, when we're young, we chase aliveness. And when we're older, we chase safety. And I was like, oh, dang, sick burn, dude, sick burn. <laughs> like, so for me and my business, I chase aliveness, I chase energy. So pleasure over pressure simply means does this increase energy in my body or does it decrease energy in my body? And when I'm chasing ideas or interest or strategy or people or partnerships that increase my sensation of aliveness, specifically around the idea of when I reminisce about thinking about having done it. So I'm constantly putting myself at the end before I make a decision. And I'm like, do I feel an increase of energy around having done that or a decrease? So we have this awesome tool in our mind called the ability to reminisce and imagine at the same time. So we can use imagination to reminisce around something that hasn't even occurred yet. And if all entrepreneurs ever changed was this one thing, just imagine reminiscing about that decision. See it fully played out. Do you feel an increase of energy or decrease of energy? Because if every year of my life that I age my energy increases. I swear to you, I can hear the matrix crumbling around me. <laughs> like <laughs> I beat it. I'm getting younger as my body ages. And I truly feel that way. I have like more energy than I ever have before. I can work longer hours than most entrepreneurs with more sustained focus. And I would identify as like having adult ADHD. So like, but I'm doing things that I have genuine natural energy around. I'm feeling that increase and I'm using it as fuel versus almost like trying to conjure energy and fuel after slow depletion over time, making decisions from pressure. And to loop back, because I didn't fully answer your question before about like, well, what if I say no to that? Then I'm going to lose business. What I'm going to suggest is that you will lose that customer, but you will gain a better a better relationship, a better client, whether it's customer or not. But we almost never have refunds. I don't even do contracts with my private clients. And I have the best community in the world. Like, I just don't even understand when I see people who are like the cancel culture that occurs. Like, I understand it because it occurred for me in the past before I changed how I run my business. But I'm like, my community would like so go to bat for me hardcore in any scenario, I'm telling you, it would be like watching Braveheart and we're all like, and we're going. <laughs> like, I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Why? Because I've taught them how to live like I do, not only in their business, but in their personal lives too. And they all just fucking feel better every day. Like I'm literally just selling energy. <laughs> well, that's what's fascinating. You know, for anybody listening who doesn't know the scale of your business, you want to tell them some of the highlights you've had in the past few months, just so they can wrap their head around. Like, it's one thing to like if if anybody has any judgment and is sitting here going, "Well, that all sounds good," or in theory, that's good. No, she's in practice and getting so many reps. But I'll let you describe that because I I, I think it's absolutely worth contextualizing how quickly people are ready and hungry to adopt this. When I put this fully into practice, made it non-negotiable for myself and for my team as I slowly started to put my team into place, towards the end of 2021, I really had assembled my team, not everybody into place in my personal brand. I have a physical product brand too, and I slowly brought some people into my personal brand, and we focused on this one. And I went from having maybe like $10,000 cash in the bank after putting a lot of money into my ex's mental health journey and walking out of that marriage with almost like nothing to my name because like I barely had enough to pay my team and myself in that month that I was like, here I am about to be a single woman 
on this journey. I'm about to go all in on this. And I just knew it for sure in my body. And that month we did, or that year, we ended up doing like 870 something cash and $1.2 million in total sales. The previous year, it had been like 400 and something like that. And my profit margins were nothing because I was pretty much almost like a full-time caretaker. I could work about two hours in my business. And then I was taking care of my ex who had pretty extreme PTSD. And so went from so we we doubled our cash. We more than doubled our cash in a single year. And then we're on track right now. I just had a message or a phone call with my CFO this morning and we're on track with our June numbers. We haven't finished July yet. And we're at like 149% growth over that. So this year, as of right now, probably like where we ended in July, July's cash is what was all of 2022. Nice. They're not July's cash, but like where we are in, in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah year to date. Yeah, year, yeah. Yes, year revenue to year to date. And that's what I really wanted you to say. I didn't want to put it in your mouth because the idea of somebody building a million dollar business from pleasure over pressure, I don't know anybody other than you doing that. I think maybe my wife, but I know she has the athlete's tendency to drop into pressure and to drop into, you know, it just, just competition and just like, it's go time. It's go time. And to hear you say, like I said, I didn't want to put any words in your mouth to hear you say 149% growth while at ease, while focused, while creating more energy throughout the day, rather than being completely depleted. Because I know, I just absolutely know there are so many people listening, men and women listening, going, I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm working 90 hours a week. I am exhausted. I slide sideways into the driveway at the end of the day and then start my second shift with the kids. And then by the time 11 o'clock rolls around, I get 30 minutes to myself to sit in front of Netflix or whatever else and rinse and repeat the next day. And I love that you're a walking, talking example of it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't and have you can to scale be that over way. Yes, absolutely. And, and mind you, like I basically a single mom now, like my kid's father is like not currently in the picture. He's exclusively focused on his own journey right now. And so like, yes, that doesn't mean that some days I don't feel pressure. It just means I won't take a penny from it. And so I know what to do when the pressure occurs, right? Like, and that's what I teach. And that's what my whole brand is about teaching as well is like, what is that facet of mind? Like Dr. Conley would have probably mentioned on your show. That's like creating that sensation. How do we make the adjustment and then choose? Then it's literally, I almost feel like all I actually do is teach people how to make a more useful decision all day long. And I make, (laughs) we'll probably do multiples of billions this year, just like teaching people (laughs) more useful decision-making process. And yet this is the thing that will actually finally fucking set you free. Like really, really. But that's it is we're never taught or I'll say we're never really given resources in our traditional, at least Western education, how to make decisions without immense pressure or competition or fear, right? And And so much of it is programming too. And it's like, well, I'm supposed to just say yes to the highest paycheck, right? (laughs) We're not actually taught to seek fulfillment. That's why they call it an art. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a given for sure. (laughs) No, I'm laughing because I'm also remembering how many people said I was absolutely crazy when I dropped out of law school. And they're like, you could have been so rich. I'm like, well, that's, I'm not going to let that stop just because I'm not going to be a lawyer. But yeah, so there's definitely some software, some programming issues we have as we grow up and as we get into our, our professions. What are you seeing in terms of trends right now with people moving in to your world from, let's say, corporate? or maybe a more traditional you know, work arrangement and starting to feel that like, I want to be more free in my work and with my decisions. Are you seeing any patterns there? I don't know that, like, I don't work with a whole lot of people who are necessarily transitioning from corporate, but a lot of my private clients are, you know, seven figure earners, entrepreneurs have amazing brands, like heart centered, amazing brands. And it is starting to decondition like fear of our team resenting us, like fear of judgment, fear of making people mad. When I say we also have a value called like, we don't do anything from obligatory energy. So again, another like decision-making process. I told this to one client and he cut off his whole fucking family. I was like, 
damn, I wasn't expecting that. Wow, really? (laughs) He goes, you know what I realized is that every single time I said yes to spending time with him, it felt obligatory. I never wanted to be there. And he's like, I have never been so creative. I have so much energy. I only see him like once a month that like this cool, awesome, like YouTube famous family. And I see him like once I see him once a month and I see his wife the next month and we go back and forth. So by the time I see him again, it's been 60 days and I'm like, bro, catch me up. So excited. And he's like, guess what? (laughs) I said it one time, just so casually. I was like, well, I don't do anything in obligatory energy. And he's like, Huh. Like his wife's brain kind of broke and she like started shorting out and she's like, every decision I make is obligatory. (laughs) 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 And then he, the same thing. And like, he's like, I'm so creative. I have all of these projects going on and just like all of the things that he listed off. And I was like, it's remarkable how one little thing, like saying no to obligation. And here's like, here's how I am too. Like, do not show up for me in an obligatory way. Why? Because on the other side of that, it's like a gift wrapped in resentment because that's what it leads to. That's why divorces happen all the time. It's like, well, yes, because my wife wants me to, or yes, because my husband wants me to. And I remember my husband used to say like, everything I do, I do it for you. And I remember I yelled at him one time and I was like, stop. (laughs) please don't do it for me anymore. Do it for yourself. I want people surrounded with like operating from a state of ultimate selfishness because when you show up for me, I know you're there because you want to. And I, I know you're bringing full energy, full creativity, full focus, full logic. Like all of that comes to the table when you show up to support me. And that's the only way that I want people to show up for me. And I see it's this teeny little drain on the life force battery just over and over and over when you're like, okay, I can do that. I should. Especially women where we're like, well, now we have careers and we try to be like superhero moms. We're the nurse, we're breadwinners and we're cooks and like all the things. And before we've learned like delegation and outsourcing and it's just like, teeny, teeny little drains on like life force, life force, life force, life force. And I was the person who ended up with like fibroids in my uterus. So that was another fascinating transformation over time of the last two years. Like that was a part of me ending my marriage was like, I had these fibroids and my doctors were like, just please, the one thing you can do is manage your stress levels. And I'm like, there's only one area of my life that feels like stress, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but also kind of a testament that you were doing so much work that you had kind of cut everything else out and there was probably arguably the biggest piece left to deal with. Right. Correct. Yes. So yeah. And like, and I know he didn't want that for me either. Right. Like his intention was like for my ultimate wellness. And like, it was just too much for me to like, be able to hold myself, hold our children, hold him. And so walking away from that, use leveraging Dr. Connolly and RRT and like self-care and like lightening my energetic load over time. I've had two scans since then. And my fibroids are gone guys fucking gone. They were going to do surgery on me. I never had surgery and like they are absolutely completely dissolved. So the physical response that our body has with carrying that load over time, it will come at a cost. What are you willing to pay? So like, that's what like I see is like these amazing entrepreneurs like come into my world and they're starting to make the teeny little shifts of like, over like, okay, no obligatory energy. I'm going to say no to that dollar. And I'm going to say yes to this dollar. I'm going to rearrange my team because I don't want my team in obligatory energy either. Everybody's showing up with a full battery when they show up. And so how I live is how I demand my team to live. I have the utmost highest standards of you will live these values at a hundred percent or you don't make sense for us. But because of that, my team is happier than ever. Their mental health is better than ever. They're loyal as fuck. They're like, I'm not giving up my spot on this team because I can take as many days off as I want to. And I get to prioritize myself for the first time in my life. And then guess what happens, guys? Let's go back to that whole thing about that like pleasure over pressure, thinking about the family tree. Want to know what I think about now when I look at those family trees? I see little leaves blossoming off their kids, their husbands. My CFO today said, I was so happy to be working in your business last night that I was just disappointed my husband was already asleep because I wanted to go from your Excel spreadsheets into his sheets and he was asleep. And I was like, (laughs) that man owes me some flowers. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I know that you're bending a few minds right here because you said, I don't want anybody on my team to show up with obligatory energy. I, I want them to follow these values. And if the values are not for them, they're not for us. I want to ask like a couple of practical questions. Like when you go to hire for a new role, how are you finding somebody that is in alignment? If you're listening to the podcast, you cannot see me, but I'm holding my hands up and they're in like perfect alignment. How do you find somebody who is immediately in alignment with those values? Or does it take you longer? Now you're so clear and the frame is so tight for you know the person to fit those. Like, can you just tell me how that works? Yes. None of them were already in perfect alignment, but they were willing. And so it was a patience process, a deconditioning process. So me as a leader, I could look at like my COO who would previously identify as like a people pleaser and like she just loves to see everyone happy and she's a caretaker and all of that. So I would watch her face when she would say yes to things and she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I would see energy draining from her face in the most subtle way. So like pay attention to your people when they say yes to something. And notice if they have like, are it does their posture change? Do their shoulders go back? Are their shoulders cave forward? Does their face brighten or does their face dull? Does their eyes get bigger? Do the eyes get smaller? You'll notice facial cues, body cues when someone has an increase in life force or a decrease in life force. So I would watch her and I would be like, take it back. I tested her for a little. I'm like, take it back. <laughs> 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 and we also like another one is I reserve the right to change my mind about anything, anyone, anytime. And so I'm like, okay, we had these deadlines. We set this expectation, but in order to meet this deadline, we're going to compromise this value that we sell. It doesn't matter what program we sold, whether it's sales or whatnot. We're ultimately as this brand selling the values, which is everything I'm talking about today, not a penny from pressure and all of that. And so if she had met that deadline that day from that capacity of pressure, we would have been out of alignment with our values. Therefore, I would have been like refund that person. Can't take their money because now I just sold them a fucking lie. So you better get your hand. We call it get the hands off the baby. If your hands are dirty, don't touch my baby. (laughs) If you're out of alignment, get your hands off of the baby. So I used to say to her quite a bit, I'm like, get your hands off the baby. And she's like, shit, I did it again. But it's in the most loving way because they know at the end of the day, this is for them. So it is a conditioning process. It's a patience process. And I have the utmost love for my team. They're going to fuck it up. I fuck it up sometimes. Not as much because I hold my, I'm a Virgo. I hold myself to the highest, the utmost high standards around this, this one thing, because this is like everything that I stand for in my life. So they get to watch me live this at a level that most people won't ever, but they also see the level of freedom that I live and what it's creating, the permission that it's creating for them. So they're willing to, They we have such a culture around celebrating failure on our team that they'll come to me. They call me mommy, M-A-M-I. <laughs> and I live in Southern Florida and I call them daddies. Like they're the daddy energy. Like the, they build like the structure around like <laughs> me as a visionary. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's so fucking fun to watch everybody come together as a team and just be like so excited about like the way that we bring our energy together, the way that we celebrate each other. And they'll come to me and they'll be like, mommy, I fucked this up. And I'm like, hell yes, let's go. Like what, how, how do we make this right? But like, we just celebrate all of it because it's just the human experience. But I will give you so much credit for that because I see them posting on social media about it and you, you know, posting about it consistently elevating the energy of the team. Yeah, totally. we screwed up. <laughs> yeah. And then also because of the screw up, we learned and then we made a hundred thousand right. dollars from that, that experience. Absolutely. And it feels like watching you guys in a boat and, you know, rapids <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that didn't work. Don't do that in the next rapid. Okay. That worked great. Do that one. <laughs> you know? But that's what it kind of feels like in business, right? It's not, I saw this really great visual the other day and it, it was a meme. And on the left side, it had sort of the traditional hockey stick growth that we all want to experience in business. And it was real smooth, but clearly exponential growth upward. And it said, this is growth. And on the right side of the meme, it had a spiral that was kind of messy and it would dip down and then it would go up, but eventually it all carried upward. And it said, this is also growth. And I think that's what you're embracing with this team is that it's okay to fail. You've got permission right here in our values. It's okay to turn business away. You've got permission. It's right here in our values. It's okay to celebrate. 
and not feel like the other shoe is going to drop just because we're doing something great right now. You've got permission. It's right here in our values. It takes a really bold leader to do that, to go first and hold space for that, that discomfort of building the culture. Would you give anybody particular advice on what to do or what not to do when aligning a culture like that, specifically on your, your team and business? Yeah. First of all, like you have to be so committed to figuring out how to regulate your own emotions. Because it doesn't mean that sometimes I don't see something happen and I'm like, we just took a little bit of a hit right there. This was like, this feels like such a fun flex to be able to celebrate coming from like $10,000 in the bank only 18 months ago to just last month. I watched my team on purpose. I sat back and I let them lose probably about like 18K in profits. And I knew it was happening. I knew exactly what to do to fix it. I could have jumped in and course corrected in the minute. But what I saw was if I didn't do anything. And if I let them figure out why it didn't work after they failed at it, the next 18 months are going to be astronomical because I can have my hands off even more. So like being able to manage my own emotions around money going up and down, number one is a huge thing because most entrepreneurs are afraid to lose a dollar. And I knew that that was not a loss. That was ultimately a gain. So my perspective on that was very different than most people. I was zoomed out looking at the bigger picture. We just, we zoom in and mine does it automatically. So it's kind of happening without your fucking permission. It's not necessarily your fault, but what you do afterwards is your opportunity. So like taking and zooming out, looking at the full picture, managing your own, regulating your own emotions before you bring that energy into your team. I see so many leaders react in a state of an emotional trigger, and then their team is afraid to make mistakes, which absolutely compromises your ability to grow faster. If your team is not afraid to make mistakes, they can like, they can move faster and they can pivot faster than ever before. And if they have permission to go that fast and do that, man, that's so good. I just kind of want to clip that part, (laughs) you know, and send that to every client I have because managing your own emotions is not something you open typical business books and see. I don't feel like, you know, I, I feel like it's usually tactical advice. It's usually like, you know, how to scale the team or how to hire appropriately. And there's less of an emphasis on how you're showing up in the moment. Are you present? Are you able to hold space for them? Oops, I just knocked my mic. Are you able to hold space for them when they're really activated or triggered by something? When they're afraid, do you get afraid? Like, you know, are you reactive or can you hold almost be stoic in that moment? For you, and you mentioned RRT. So for anybody who's listening and and heard that, but you don't know what that is yet, we'll put a link in the show notes to Andrea's website, obviously, where you can go to explore her work, but it, it stands for rapid resolution therapy. So you're using that to your advantage. And how else are you regulating your emotions to stay powerful as a leader with your team? Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time it's like pulling away and giving myself space. We oftentimes, what happens is, is that we perceive an emergency to happen. And the only reason it's actually is an emergency is because the sensation that we feel is so extremely uncomfortable. And so what we're looking to do is to make a decision fast to alleviate discomfort. Are we making a useful decision? Most of the time, not. It's so funny because I I watch every single Mercury retrograde, the internet blows up and they're like, ha ha ha, fucking computers again. And we're like, every retrograde, we give our computers permission to fuck up. (laughs) We Don't apply that to ourselves and our team. We have such a high standard for like what would be quote unquote perfection or this idealistic experience. And what I'm going to suggest is like so many people, I bet you there's a lot of people who may be appearing to move fast. I bet their profit margins are lower because their teams are not functioning as well as they could. So they don't have as lean of operating expenses as they could if they positioned their team, gave them more room for creativity, more room for failure. You're going to be able to move faster and leaner. I proudly state that I have 48% profit margins in my million-dollar company, which will likely be a multiple of millions this year. I'm so fucking proud of that. And I pay my team very well, but like we have a pretty lean operating team and we just move so like wildly impactfully together because it's okay to not be perfect. In fact, it's celebrated. The culture of celebration on our team is, I honestly think that's the thing that we we perform at the best, culture of celebration. So 
I had a friend or client who runs a multiple seven-figure business and who is trained by someone else who runs maybe even an eight-figure business, I think. And she's like, you know, what I learned is like, I'm my team made this mistake. And I was like, dude, remember how last month we were like, it's okay for the computers to fuck up. But like, she made one little mistake on like how that link showed up on the opposite side over here. And we're like really upset about this. And I'm like, I think that there needs to be a little bit more grace on like why it would be in fact useful and smart business to start celebrating flaws more than we actually celebrate the wins. Because otherwise, again, we build ourselves into that bougie prison, but we take a lot of people with yeah, us. Yeah. I, I like how you families. said that. It would be useful <laughs> and smart business. You remember that book, Freakonomics, that like made big waves because it was pretty groundbreaking? This is probably 10, 15 years ago now. But, you know, one of the things that I took from that book was incentives. You always have to look where the incentive is, at least in, in our culture, for somebody to do something or not to do something. Because if the incentive is big enough, they'll probably do it. And here you have done a real counterculture thing where you have incentivized people to appreciate failure instead of fear it and run from it and hide from it and sweep it under the rug if it does happen and explain it away. This is the one that kills me Like when I'm consulting on teams. The need to defend and contextualize failures or missed deadlines or whatever. I'm in your camp. I'm like, who cares? It happened. We're all human. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. Eventually, we'll all mess up something pretty important to the team. So let's just get on with it and learn from it. Like, Moving forward, right? I remember somebody on my team made a $5,000 mistake and I caught it. I didn't know for sure if that's what actually happened. So I got curious and I said, hey, look, I, I think this is what I'm seeing. Is this what I'm seeing? And they called me in tears and they're like, you know, I understand if you want to fire me. I'm like, I don't want to fire you. I don't want you to do this again. And I don't want to fire you, <laughs> you know, but it's not that big a deal and we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. I'm a, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but so what, you know, we move on. She's never made any mistake, even a $5 mistake, you know, after that. And it's an opportunity to show the breadth of humanity you can have as a leader and then model that behavior for the team. If you don't see failure as useful or you say that as smart business, how can you ever train the team to operate like that? So I, I see you guys moving so fast in part because there is that dynamic connection of like, oh, it's okay. And I think that's just something for every business owner to take out of this is, do you have permission to fail? And does the team foster that? Because look at what you're doing. I mean, 149% growth in six months, so I call it seven months, and 48% profit while having fun. I mean- while having fun. <laughs> What's it all for if it's not for that? <laughs> like we, I mean, I don't think that's been true for all of history that like how I operate my business today could have been possible even 50 years ago, but it is now because we have social media, we have the internet, we have all of this amazing technology. We are more resourced as a human species than ever before to create wealth with ease in a way that actually increases vitality. Most people just don't know how to decide in a way that will increase vitality. And that is like all, when you were like, is there any topic that's off limits where you're like, I just don't want to talk about that anymore. This is the number one thing people ask me to talk about and I never want to stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> how can we increase vitality while building wealth instead of watching like my friend who sat down there and retired early from a billion dollar company because he was afraid it was going to kill him. He's like, if I had met you last year, I would have never retired. <laughs> Ooh, wow. What a statement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Increase vitality while building wealth. Yeah, I think most of us are programmed to believe that's not possible, at least not for us, like some language like that. Well, let's do this. Before I move into the last couple of questions here, is there anything else on your heart that you want to share about this? Because you have worked, like if you're just finding Andrea, it's going to look like ease and flow, but she has worked hard. And I'm going to speak for you here to correct me if I'm wrong, but suffered every human emotion possible to get to this point. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, anything on your mind? And, and what I mean really is maybe specific advice, um, do's and don'ts or, or things that you would 
cause another business owner to know that we haven't talked about? Not that we haven't talked about, but I just want to end with like the neat little anchor of saying, going back to what I said in the beginning, if the only thing you got from today is to use your ability to imagine, to reminisce and just ask yourself, do I feel an increase of energy or a decrease of energy? And that's all you got from today. This time next year, your whole life will be different. And like the most remarkable way, you'll be messaging me in a DM and you'll tell me like, people tell me all the time, they're like, I bought your business program. I didn't expect that my health would improve. And it's just like a natural byproduct of like, like, I mean, we're just winning (laughs) when it comes (laughs) to these teeny, this one little thing, you will win in a way that you never have before. So I just want to like anchor that with like a neat little bow, that ability to imagine, to reminisce do I feel that increase or a decrease? And if it's an increase, it's in. If it's a decrease, it's out. That's it. I do want to ask you this before I move into the last couple of questions. What do you think is the source of all of your results? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's the name of our sponsor? Heaven's Door. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a second to chew on it because it isn't a small question. I just dropped some ice into my Ascension and holy crap, it's a completely different bourbon now. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anybody around you that could throw you some ice, but it's always fun to explore with a little bit of water, a little bit of ice. And this just transforms. So, well, I don't have ice, but I do have a water pitcher. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Pour so a little bit of that see. in. I'll there, cut it a tiny bit. It will give it another taste. Something totally different. Let's see what happens here. I actually kind of knew you were going to ask me that. I'm like, I better put a water pitcher on there just in case we do (laughs) multiple tastings here. Well, I have to, thanks to my friend Adam, the representative from Heaven's Door who helped uh, get the sponsorship going here. He gave me that heads up. He said, you really want to put a little bit of something water ice in there because it's going to change it. And I kind of forgot because we were talking and then I thought, ooh, I I don't want to miss that opportunity. It really does open it up quite a bit and, and let those flavors through. I got a little nutmeg on there, which is not something I tasted the first time. Well, I don't have a refined tongue like you do when it comes to whiskey, but I will say uh, it does taste different. It's a bit, a little bit easier to go down. So like it does have like a nice, super potent taste, of course, when you drink it neat, but it doesn't compromise flavor. It just changed it. It like it, there was definitely an increase with a change versus any sort of like, I think a nice ice cube though, with like a little bit of coolness, especially during the summer would have made it more fantastic. Unfortunately, I don't have any little assistance running around to, <laughs> to support that's higher me with number the eight. That's in the works. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> well, let's go back to that. Cause you know, I have two or three questions here and, and, and I really am curious what you, and, and obviously I won't hold you to it, but I'm curious what you think the source of your results are. Cause I get really entertaining answers from different people. You've worked through so many different modalities though, that I really am curious what your perspective is there. Well, I think it actually comes back to something that it's a little bit more just in me, in me. Like I was always the kid that even though I did grow up in like some tumultuous experiences, I saw life as more of like a half glass full energy. So I think that was a natural gift that I just like came into physical experience with. And, but I will say a friend told me last night, we we're just like talking about like dating and and silly stuff. And she's like, you just like, don't take no for an answer. And it's not that I don't take no for an answer. I'm just always asking, but how? And so what I want to know is like, how can I have it all the way my way? Like, could I have this Could I have what I want? And so another mantra that I use in my brand is I believe that we can have anything we want in the way that we want it if we're willing, any experience we want in the way that we want it if we're willing to ask the right question. And so like I think one of my ultimate gifts is that like I'm a pretty good question asker. That's a skill, of course, that like anybody can build. But like I come in with more of like a positive personality by nature. The skill that I built over the years was asking the question, like, how can I make this better? How can I increase my experience with it? And like, that has been one of the most useful. And then if we look at things from like a skill perspective, also getting trained by Dr. Connolly was the smartest decision that I ever made in my entire life, personally and professionally, hands down. Graphic resolution therapy. Yeah. John is beaming somewhere. I know he's going to listen to this and he's beaming somewhere, holding his dog. And he's so excited. 
Darwin, right? <laughs> Darwin, yeah. <laughs> Darwin loves me more, by the way, guys, oh. in case anybody wants to know. <laughs> sure. You heard it here first. It, the bourbon had nothing to do with that brag. That was... <laughs> <laughs> John will tell you, actually. He's like, Darwin loves her. He like tried to... I had dinner with John the other night and he like tried to run after me and chase me in my car. <laughs> He's like, I'm going home with that lady. <laughs> he told me about the duck, his neighbor, you know, channeling the... the inter- Did you hear that story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Darwin needs the duck. Yeah. No, actually. Okay. So like we can take a small, like playful pivot here. So Dr. Connolly have a Reiki expert that works specifically with animals and she channels animals. And so I was dealing with my Maltese kept peeing on the couch. And I finally bought one of those restoration hardware couches where like it won't, the the water will like pill on top of it for my dog. Wow. (laughs) I bought the $15,000 couch for the dog (laughs) and then our house burned down and took the couch. Oh no. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say after the house. Okay. Wow. That came before the house burned. So I did not replace that couch and now I'm in rentals and I'm like this dog. So finally I hired the Reiki expert who said that Darwin specifically wanted like duck heart treats and Darwin was very happy after that. John was happy. So my dog, you guys has not peed on the couch in probably six weeks. This is like, she was doing this almost every other day in six weeks. So I'm like, I'm literally about to blow this this woman's like right. she won't have an open spot till 2025 after this I I better like pre-schedule ahead of time but I'm like I've never I like honestly was pretty I'm an open person but I was kind of skeptical I'm like okay like she figured out Darwin wanted duck treats what dog doesn't want duck treats but at this point I'm desperate I'll try anything it did take her a few sessions and after time like Ella did stop peeing on the couch and I was like this woman's remarkable I'm not she'll message me and she'll be like well, Ella said that you don't take her out enough and this and that. And she was upset about when Winston did that. Winston is our other dog. She was upset that Winston was like giving her attitude. And I'm like, that is Ella's voice. You can see it on her face. She like nails their personality. So like John has changed my life in more ways than one. He is a collector of exceptional talent. So if you guys ever need a recommendation for some sort of weird hire, like a psychic or a a pet psychic or something, Message Dr. Conley. He's got you there with all your trauma healing as well. <laughs> I was going to say, what does that say about us that we're friends with him? <laughs> I'm here for all the weird guys. Yeah, I was like, he's, I'm fine with that that crowd. I'll put me in a crowd of effective people who bring positivity to the world. That's okay. Amen. Amen. So let's do this. Couple of things. Uh, let's see, which one do I want to do first here? All right. So if I were to take the elements of Andrea Crowder, the things that make you you, especially where you are in this season right now, and turn them into a cocktail. What would yes. go into that cocktail? What would go into it? Ooh, okay. So jalapeno, for sure. Got to have a little bit of spice. Just like, I would say like just a slice, like a little bit of like like spice bite at the end. I would say like a clean tequila, although this is like, I wouldn't know what cocktail to make with this other than an old fashioned. So I'm trying to get a little creative here. Definitely. I love a good clean tequila. And then what else would I put in there? I'm thinking a little bit of pineapple. I don't like things too sweet. I'm not a super sweet cocktail person, but a little bit of pineapple sweetness sounds delightful. And then maybe something with bubbles. Wow. It actually sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> I have no idea right? how this is going to like work out. <laughs> All right. So your homework from this session is <laughs> to have somebody on the team experiment and make this jalapeno, blanco tequila, pineapple, and a, you know, splash of bubbles on top. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe some kava to top it off there. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, the fun part is when I ask people that question, sometimes they'll say things like, ooh, it would be like definitely one part life-changing memories. And then two parts impact. And then other people go straight to ingredients. So I know whether you're hungry or thirsty or whether you're really in like a meta state, right? We actually did pre-practice this too. And I'm like, you wait. Yeah, we did talk about that. But there's something to the bourbon that made me forget all about it. I have, I've put a barrier between your prefrontal cortex. Yep, you sure did. Well, okay. no, it's all good. It's all good because now I'm curious, like... If that is the manifestation of you in sort of like, you know, food form. Yeah. Your personality, well, your experience. Spicy for yeah, sure. Right. For sure. It's <laughs> definitely there. But what would you call it? I would call it Amore Pleasure. Really? Which is okay. like if you are familiar with the word Amore, it means love in Italian. 
So love pleasure, like that would be the name of it. That's fun. And right on brand for Andrea. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, just a couple of things. This is fun for me. And I get interesting feedback from these shows. And one of the things people love most is this part. I'm going to do a fill in the blank. So I'll say a prompt and then you fill in the blank. Pretty simple to understand. Got it? (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. Go ahead. If you could have a coffee or a cocktail with any one person living or dead, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, I'm always going to have a cocktail with Dr. Connolly. Like, you've never met a more fascinating person on the planet than him. He's, like, so interesting. But then, like, let me think of somebody that I've never met either. I think the coolest thing ever would actually be to get Joe Dispenza and Dr. Connolly at one table together. I would just sit back and just, like, take it all in. I would that would, I would, I would lose my mind. Six hours of that. I would, yes. yeah, that would be a yes. blast. Yes. Okay. The purpose of life is to? Play. Did you say play? I did. I thought you said bye for a second. No. <laughs> play. Okay. The most meaningful thing a person can say is? I love you. The thing you're looking forward to the most is? Growth. Your biggest transformation has been? Having the courage to say no to what was no longer working in my life, no matter how much I loved it when it was working. And if people truly knew the real you, they would know that. I have two middle names. One is remind you who the fuck you are, which you probably have realized by now. And then the second one is giggles, which will be after I finish (laughs) the rest of this delightful drink. (laughs) That's great. That's a perfect way to wrap up. Hey, friend, this is Lorelai, COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur. If you enjoyed this episode, I really think you'll love learning about Andrea's record-breaking program, The Pleasure Model, which has taken the internet by storm while teaching exactly how to never take another penny from pressure, only pleasure. Head to the show notes for all the info and a special surprise too. And of course, subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes drop and tag Andrea on Instagram at love underscore Andrea Crowder with your thoughts from today's episode. We're so glad you're here.